Sí. Yeah, there it is. When that speaking spell voice pops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Woo! Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or hey, maybe you're taking the trash out. Maybe you're staying inside because it's as cold at your place as it is at my place right now. It's very, very cold at my place right now. It's a great intro. <laughs> whatever the case, whatever the case, we're going to be with you for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support means we get to continue. You can be one of them. And in return for supporting the show, making it possible, you will get some cool stuff, including an entire season of bonus content with a show called Feeling This, where Christian Spicer and Alex Sulman Talk about the feelings behind video games. An entire season of that just waiting for you as a patron. Plus, every Wednesday at the Cool Ranch level of patron support, you get a bonus show called Paid DLC, where Christian Spicer, myself, and Lana Bashinsky talk about all sorts of wide-ranging topics. This week was a really good one. We talked about uh, the, the difficulty in making friends as an adult person. Not easy, it turns out. Also, you get ad-free episodes. You get video versions of the show on demand. So much good stuff waiting for you as a patron. But of course, this show, the main show, DLC, is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend... Slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who was smart not to get his heart broken by sports. Well, at least this sport anymore. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah, buddy. I'm sorry, friend. It's a uh, it's a tough uh, a tough thing caring about trivial uh, <laughs> endeavors a dumb and having anyway. What do I break care? your heart? But I'm glad you're here. And uh, this week's going to be a great show. So this, if anyone else is mourning the loss of their favorite team's sporting endeavors this week, this show can lift those spirits right back up again. We got so much to talk about. We got stealth drops. We got directs to talk about with news. We got big, huge games. It's, It's crazy. It's already happening. 2023 is already exploding with video games. And we have, ladies and gentlemen, an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for deity that leaves cracks. Because we have the actor, model, YouTuber, and streamer known as Game Breaker God. GBG, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate you so much. This is an awesome opportunity for me to tune in and also get to know you guys and just talk to the gaming community. Hello, folks. Hey, man, it's it's, it's awesome to have you here. My understanding, yeah. Christian, is that this is GBG's first podcast ever. Yeah, I'm honored. Uh, I said this before we started. 
your videos are like what game trailers make gaming look like. And then there's how I play it, you know, and it's like that old <laughs> No Man's Sky, or like Jurassic Park theme. Like your videos are like the John Williams score. And then mine is like the <laughs> harmonica, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I think we're playing this Making me blush. They're so Honestly, good. my dream is like um, to make video game trailers for like uh, every single game that I truly find dear to my heart. So obviously God of War, I've grown up playing it and any other action combat type of game that I'm into, I love to make video game trailers for it. Um, the E3 stage would have been a great stage for people to just go like, what are we watching? What is yeah. this? You know? Well, hey, man, that's uh, I, I, I can see you doing it. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. There you go. <laughs> All right. We got tons to get to, ladies and gentlemen. So let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know. Hey, we love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also post in our Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord. Great folks hanging out there. Or on our subreddit, which is also 5x5DLC. Dot, uh, dot reddit.com really fun folks like i said hanging out in those communities so take part become one of them join up and hang out talk games talk whatever else in those places but gbg you are our guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week i literally came across this yesterday and i was playing high rush hi-fi rush and the game, I find it super intriguing. It's you have to be in beat completely and you cannot make combos without you being in beat with the song or music that's currently playing in game. And I was mind blown. I don't know if you guys have taken a look at the game as well yourselves. And I was speaking earlier with um, with Spicer and he said that you guys have been taking a look at it as well and I was like this game is intriguing because it's new it's fresh it's not the usual action RPG you know just button mash uh, that's never the case with me by the way I never button mash <laughs> uh, but it's it's super awesome and I yeah. definitely want you guys to take it and a, and a stealth release from the Xbox developer direct I uh, you know we always love it here Christian when when uh, a game stealth drops we didn't even know it existed and we could play it immediately we announce it and all of a sudden we could download and play it love that and uh, super unexpected as you said uh, GBG that this game just hit it seems to have taken a lot of streamers by storm uh, it has a fresh I think very fresh look uh, yeah. to it and a cool play style. We've seen a number of these sort of um, uh, rhythm game, action game mashups. Um, um, what is it? Metal Hellsinger is another recent one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, but this comes from a very uh, unexpected developer, the developer that you, known for doing horror games uh, and now uh, dropping a uh, a very stylized, very sort of colorful, upbeat, funny, goofy kind of game that I think is super been, goofy. Yeah, it's been charming a lot of folks and doing it in the context 
of this very focused developer direct that uh, Xbox put out. Um, GBG, we also saw in that developer direct more information about Redfall. We got a, a sort of extended gameplay preview for Redfall, which is uh, Arcane Studios' next big release. We saw Minecraft Legends, uh, which I always get confused with, I think, Minecraft Adventures, which is another. Wasn't there another? <laughs> I, every time they show Minecraft Legends, I go, didn't that game already come out? But Dungeons. Minecraft and Dungeons. That's what dungeons. it is. That's it. Dungeons. Well, it looks very similar. Uh, we also saw more stuff from Forza Motorsport, which evidently is getting delayed out of spring into later in the year. And uh, Elder Scrolls Online had a big, uh, big showing of their next, their next uh, big expansion. So clearly, GBG, the, uh, Hi-Fi Rush was the highlight for you. The highlight for me. Are you, are you, do you prefer having a, a little more knowledge of, of a game before it's like, oh, it's out, here's the announcement, go play it right now? Or is that, you know, is that a treat for you like it is for us? What happened was I was in Discord with my friend last night, and he was like, there's a lot of hype around surrounding Hi-Fi Rush, and I never even heard about it prior to last night and then i looked at a gameplay from a youtuber for about five whole seconds and i was like <laughs> i want to play it <laughs> i yeah. stopped watching the video completely and i said i want to learn it myself i don't even want to see the gameplay anymore just let me play it and i streamed and i was just there like like a child just <laughs> tuning into the music and just it was awesome it, it was is awesome. really uh it is really striking i think the visual style for me uh, yeah. Well, like you, I saw it. And I was like, I, I definitely want to play that. I, it's got that Saturday morning cartoon, very colorful. Uh, I was describing yeah. it as you know, as Sunset Overdrive meets Elite Beat Agents. Yes, if Sunset Overdrive, baby. Um, and you know, maybe maybe Christian, it's the Sunset Overdrive sequel that we've been hoping for the the Assassin's Creed two of Sunset Overdrive. You know, um, in a lot of ways, obviously very different game and very different developer, but it kind of feels like the spiritual successor in a lot of ways. Um, what did you make Christian of the, uh, developer direct overall? Um, I think hi-fi rush is definitely the standout and I think it's interesting, like the chatter I saw about it kind of after the direct and, and kind of as it was being announced during the direct was like, this game's so polished. Why is this a stealth drop? Like this Xbox should have been hyping this for so like, this is a, you know, a 10 out of 10 style game. This is a Yes, it's January, but we'll be on people's, you know, end of the year lists all the way at the end of, of 2023. Like, why wasn't Xbox out there waving the flag, getting people excited about this? And I understand that idea, especially with people's um, kind of thoughts about Microsoft's presentations or lack thereof at the Game Awards and, and other showings going in um, to this first part of the year. But like you mentioned, Jeff, I love a stealth drop like this. And I think it's so fun to see, um, I don't know how you distinguish this, maybe a quote unquote pure stealth drop where they didn't even give this game to major media outlets ahead of time. There weren't reviews. There was It wasn't like Hi-Fi Rush announced, you know, like read our review. Like we've, we've had it for two weeks. It was Hi-Fi Rush announced outlets. You'd see people on Twitter being like, well, I know what I'm playing <laughs> you know, yeah. to get this up for our coverage of the game. And it is such a complete game. So I think that is number one. And then number two is Forza Motorsport. You know, I love I love a good motorsport game. I love the Forza franchise. Forza Horizon 5 is, you know, one of my all-time, or the Forza Horizon franchise, I should say, with 5 being the latest, one of my all-time faves. And Forza Motorsport, you know, getting back to that classic track approach, 
I mean, a little bit of a delay, I guess, is a bummer, but what they were showing of that game, it looks so beautiful. When they zoomed in, they talked about the paint technology that they're using to like reflect and refract light in addition to the ray tracing. And I was just like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get lost <laughs> in that game. It looks so 500 pretty. 500 cars at launch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it looks very very impressive. Real time weather with the you know the track adjusting to the moisture and heat levels as you're going. It's like okay, give me all of that, please. Yeah. Give me all it, of that. It, it does look awesome. real pretty, real pretty. I mean, I wish it had jumps. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm more of a Horizon guy, um, but uh, but uh, it, it is interesting. You know, going back to uh, to Hi-Fi Rush, it is it is interesting that Tango um, GameWorks, you know. Evil Within, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. It feels like if if they were making another sequel to either of those franchises, we probably wouldn't get a stealth launch. Mm. And yet, for my money, this seems so much more interesting than either of those. I mean, I didn't play Evil Within. Actually, I did play a little bit, but I didn't finish that game. It, it was not my jam. I'm you know I'm not a huge horror game fan anyway. But I can't it, do horror either. Don't worry. Yeah, you know that's good. Uh, I mean, so it's 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 so cool to see them doing something outside the wheelhouse, and you got to wonder what the decision was to make this game completely untalked about, unpromoted, unmentioned uh, in the time leading up to it. Because it, you know, as you mentioned, Christian, it is it's kind of it's a big deal, and people are talking about it as an early game of the year candidate, which is pretty wild. Um. GBG, have you played other uh, sort of rhythm action games before? Did you play Metal Hellsinger or did you I play? Rush um... is my very first. Yeah, it is uh, of this style, like to the rhythm and beat like this. I've never touched a game like this before. If anything, what was that PS One game that um you had like the little guy, like he looked like a puppy and he had like a, a oh hat are you on. talking about um uh, Rapper? Um, yeah, Prapple the Rapper. Rapper, yeah. yeah, that was it. Um, Jamalami or Prapple the Rapper? Yeah, bro, that was it. <laughs> that was the only upbeat game I had ever played prior to this. That was it. Yeah. And yeah, then, very, very different, right? rush happened last night. I was mind-blowing. I was it's, mind-blowing. Uh, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, as far as the rest of the direct goes, Christian, I agree. Forza looked great. Uh, I, I downloaded, uh, I re-downloaded Elder Scrolls Online. Because I watched that and I was like, I want to play more Elder Scrolls online. It looked awesome. It did seem and, like they were talking to folks like you, where it was like, if you yeah. like, they didn't say it. They didn't say if you like single player Elder Scrolls game, you'll like this. But they also didn't not say oh, that. They heavily know? implied that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, you don't need friends. I, I love the, the the presentation was like, get in, explore Morrowind, explore Tamriel as much as you want. And then when you're ready, uh, tr- try some uh, PVP and stuff. I'm like, oh, I might never be ready. That's totally fine. I, I, you know, they understand. Elder Scrolls has PVP. Well, the Elder Scrolls Online does, you know, their, their MMO that they're talking about. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's got this massive like siege mode where you can, you know, dozens of people are attacking buildings at the same time. It's it's pretty neat. But um yeah, I re-downloaded Elder Scrolls Online. Uh <laughs> but I I have to say Christian, I'm less excited about Redfall than I have been in a long time. I want that game to be great. I like Ar- I like uh, arcane games. Uh I, 
just the, the milieu, the vampireness <laughs> of it, it just kind of looks a little. Uh, I don't know, GBD. Did you see any of the any of the Redfall stuff? I'm literally just looking at it now. <laughs> yeah, are, tune are, in. Are you into? I know you say you don't like horror games. It doesn't look like an horror game. Horror game, but it's too much for me. <laughs> I can't, can't take, take it. it. Yeah. I love watching horror movies. Like that is literally my niche when it comes to going to cinemas. Mm. But horror games, it's because I get so into it. I literally close the blinds. Nobody in the, nobody else in the room. No Elgato light. Just me by myself. Headphones with a blanket over me into the game. That's how I do horror games. And when I did that with Outlast, I didn't last. <laughs> You're out. You did not last. I was out. My heart <laughs> out. Uh, I believe that. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's we'll talk great. a little bit about Dead Space coming up, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a feeling that I seek out. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have to do that to myself. Spooked but out. Yeah. I do love it. A Redfall doesn't look exactly like that. It doesn't look super horror-y, although there are a few moments where it's like flashlight in terrible place looking for vampire sacks, I guess. Um, Christian, what do you think? I, I I feel like you are have always been a little more excited about this game than I have been. Yeah. What, I, is, your, what still- is your reaction? I'm still excited about it. I like the art style. I, you know, I love Deathloop. Um, I, yeah. I I think Prey was the biggest not click with me game of theirs. And I know a lot of people love uh, that newer Prey. Um, I, I, I'm, cu- I'm still curious exactly how it will feel in the hand. You know, is it more um, Left for Dead or is it people are like, actually, it's less Left for Dead and more, you know. Far like, Cry. They're th- calling it Far Cry yeah. Fallout, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well those are kind of opposite ends of a spectrum in a way, at least in the way I play them. We're left for dead. I'm a little more tactical is not the exact right word, but deliberate, I guess, and how I approach things. Whereas Far Cry, I mean, I'm as deliberate as strapping a grenade to a goat and then shooting a tiger to scare the goat (laughs) to run into the thing to blow up the Humvee that takes down the missile silo. You know what I mean? Like in Far Cry, I was literally pretty deliberate to be honest, (laughs) flying on a biplane. And I think a, it was piloted by a bear or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Different games. Um, but I think Arcane's level design is what truly makes those games shine. And so if it has that style of world and intricate level design that encourages creativity and replayability, I imagine I'll love it. And it's also Arcane's first game to launch day and date on Game Pass. So I know I'm going to play true. it, you know? That's always a good point. Yeah, it's like no matter how much I'm uncertain, you can always try it because you got that subscription to Game Pass. So, uh, yeah. but man, I I uh, I was really I had I was getting more excited about it, hearing those things that you mentioned about. Oh, it's more like a Fallout. It's more like a Far Cry. It's more more RPG than it is, you know, squad based, whatever you call a, a Left for Dead game. <laughs> uh, and man, I I don't know. I the, the stuff they showed. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, well, there's the vampire that explodes on you, and there's the vampire that, I don't know, it just felt a little, I don't know. Un- I'm seeing a shot right now, and it looked like The Last of Us uh, sort of um, zombie in the game, in mm-hmm. Redfall. Yeah. Well, I think it's all vampires. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there's other types of supernatural baddies, but, man, it is, uh, it, I'm sure it's going to be fun. I just came away from it going, oh, I'm a little less excited than I was. Um, anyway, that just might be my own taste, my own little aesthetic, not really loving vampires, but 
Uh, let's move you, on. You like, vampire, you like Vampire Survivors, which has I do no like vampires. That. And so when there's a game called Redfall that has actual vampires, you're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a survivor of vampires. I don't want to go back from the vampires. I survived them. Uh, <laughs> Christian, what is your story of the week? Man, there's uh, there's so much. There's so much good, important, dare I say, stuff here. What I want to spend time focusing on is um, what came out about Brian Birmingham and Blizzard um, last week. He was the lead of WoW Classic and um, was kind of let go um, because his refusal to fall in line with um, Blizzard and ABK's um, employee ranking policy where they needed to stack rank Mm-hmm. employees we should explain um, what that is though before yes. you go on yeah which i will broadly explain as a picture when you're in school and there's a bell curve and it doesn't matter if everybody gets almost everything right let's say the worst that anyone in class did was miss four questions on a hundred question test well if that's a bell curve that person who missed four gets the worst grade they're they're at the yeah. bottom you have to have it and stack ranking um the way that ABK was doing it and a lot of companies do it or have done it uh, requires that where you need to have a worst. Um, it doesn't matter how good everybody's individual abilities are. You need to have a best, a middle and a worst. And you need to have, a, according to reporting, um, I think out of Bloomberg on ABK's policies, they needed a certain percentage to fall in that what they called developing tier, which is their worst tier. And those um, people get fired. Or talked to and denied promotions and, uh, you know. This is the old uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. First prize is a Cadillac. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired, right? Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. that's what this is. <laughs> you you're, you're kind of have that mark on your permanent record, you know, within that company forever. If you're not let go and you're not given the promotion or salary pay bumps and stuff like that, that others on your team will. And it's out of necessity to have those. And so when this story uh, came out, um, Brian then took to Twitter to talk about it. He's like, well, I didn't plan on making this public, but, you know, since people are talking about it, you know, here we here we go. And he talked about it. And I wanted to bring the story up for a couple of reasons. And one, um, I think it was two weeks ago's episode with um, Khalif and Gabe. Great episode. We talked about a little bit. I think, Jeff, you mentioned like the, the whole of our coverage of Activision games. Um, that is a meaningful oversight on my part, not a whole, not an omission. It is a meaningful do not engage. And as I was trying to think of the analogy for it, it's not, you know, when you sign up to be a stormtrooper, you know who you're working for. ABK, I, I wouldn't equate to the Empire, but I would guess to say something close to my heart, it's if after you knew the Astros were cheating in baseball and you still went to work for them, like at, at, at some point, you know what you're doing. And mm. you, you know what the company is. And Brian's tweets talk about, you know, he's not going to boycott Blizzard games. There are good people there. And then he goes on to say, but as a core, the, the leads, the top of this company, I want to try to, I think I have it. Uh, a, ABK is a problematic parent company. They put us under pressure to deliver both expansions early. Wow, expansions. It is deeply unjust to follow that by depriving employees who worked on them their fair share of profit. The ABK team should be ashamed of themselves. 
Um, and he talks about his disappointment in supervisors and the ABK policy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I support companies that don't do great things. I try my best, but I feel like every story about ABK management and how that company is run is a brown paper bag at your front door lit on fire. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand? <laughs> are you, you understand saying, what I'm saying we are not supposed to stomp it out? Because then we get the poopy <laughs> on our shoes? That's what I'm, I'm understanding? It's um, poop again. Every story, my reaction is, it's poop again. It's, um, it is impressive that uh, Brian Birmingham, the, uh, the co-lead uh, at the center of this story, uh, is putting his money where his mouth is, right? He's yes. standing up and actually saying, um, I'm, I quit. I don't, uh, I will not be paid by these people anymore. That's impressive. Rare. Uh, and should be lauded, I think, to actually have the courage of your convictions, the strength of your scruples, you know, all those alliterations. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, no, I don't mean to make light of it. I, I, th- I do think it is, uh, it is impressive and, um, and, and you don't see it very often, quite, quite frankly, people do things that are not in their own self-interest in order to, take a stand and that's what's happening here. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like you're right, Christian, every Activision Blizzard King story that we see is more evidence of just how poorly it has been run. Um, and hopefully these kinds of things, uh, these kinds of stands that are being taken, uh, will have an effect. And, uh, I don't know if it's going to have an effect on actual ABK, right? I don't know if it's actually going to take down the company or, or I don't know, uh, invoke uh, changing this specific in- instance. But I think what it does do, I think undeniably is cause change in other areas. People who actually care about this stuff go, oh, I'm not going to behave that way. I- I'm going to start a company and not do that. And we've seen that a bunch with people who have are former Blizzard employees or or even just other uh, video game startups that are going, hey, the whole point of our startup is to not behave like this. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, if you're laughing because you don't agree, no, I don't know. No, no. It's like, a, it's. I don't know another reaction. It's, yeah, it's literally like, <laughs> they're like, you see that? We're not that. Like, yeah. what defines your company? Not that. And it's like, I think that's yeah. heartening. I think, <laughs> yes. I mean, I think you have to, yes. you have to sort of take some solace in baby steps, right? You have to go, we're not going to, we're not going to fix everything all in one fell swoop and one person's, you know, falling on the sword, which is what's happening here is, is not going to fix it. Right. Unfortunately, but I try to take some kind of comfort in the fact that I think it does have uh, a, an effect, a small sort of grassroots effect that maybe will lead to bigger change. And as we mentioned uh, on that episode too, or uh, last week when we were talking to um, um, to the, the the writers of, of the book about this exact stuff, um, unionization is starting. And I think that help, is going to help a lot of this as well, we hope. We and hope. Microsoft is seeming to put their money where their mouth is and being okay with unionization. Yeah. And Phil Spencer gave that interview to IGN that covered a wide range of topics, but he seems very confident that that merger will still happen. And so yeah. I feel like there's still hope, but um, it just makes me sad. And it makes me sad that this is an example of the, um, as, as Brian puts it, you know, ABK taking money from developers, you know, like straight up 
being denied bonuses and stuff because of a policy that requires an art. It's, it's not that, Hey, we have some, you know, some fat on the company. We need to get rid of, we need to trim this fat, lean it down, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 you are required <laughs> based yeah. on this curve to say people are underperforming. Um, yeah. It, uh, GBG, it, it are, are you, do you, are you conflicted a, about um, playing games from companies that you know are engaging in practices that you may not support or are you able to sort of uh, separate? I was a artists? bit conflicted with the way um, Bayonetta was being done. That was a huge chaos on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You guys are aware of this. The sure, actors yeah. came forth and uh, exposed a lot of things and just nobody knew which side to pick. I just went I had I'm an actor and if a company did that to me how would I feel? I put myself in her shoes and I said to myself if I say anything that may not be true because this actress came forth and just said all these things but nothing to back it up just herself. Yeah. Um what it takes for an actor to do, to go through that and then just come out here and seek help from the public should take a little bit of not only you know the necessity to be like I need help from someone and if I say it, they might see me in a special way. Like say, for example, I'm seeking attention, which is not what I'm looking for, or I'm seeking more money, which is not what I'm looking for. I'm just trying to get these people to treat me like like they actually appreciate me mm -hmm. in this business that we do. So I was a bit like on the edge there, but I still bought Bayonetta just to try the game and also support her. Perhaps my money will go into paying her. Um, if, if that served any purpose, don't know. Yeah. I think it's, that's it's a, a great, I think it's a great point too, especially, yeah, Jeff, as you j just said, sorry for, for stepping on your toes there, but it is, it's complicated because that story had so many back and forth and so many people were on the original Bayonetta voice actor side. And then, yeah. um, platinum had their side and then the current voice actor came out and it's like, oh yeah, this isn't as cut and dry as what Twitter will allow. Um, there is far more details here and then like reporting came out but we're still in that social media you know whiplash backlash back um, and forth and it's era hard because of things. you try to you know on one sense you want to be a responsible consumer and you want to have your dollars mean mm -hmm. something and at the same time it's hard to parse all this stuff and it's like do i have to have a part-time job investigating <laughs> all of the companies i just want to i just want to buy a thing that will entertain me for a few hours do I have to, you know, become an investigative reporter and understand where their money is coming from and where it's going to and who they're screwing over? And all? Do, I, do I need to have the burden of all that just to go, I want to sit down and play a nice video game. game? You know, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask. And I don't know where that line is. And I don't know, you know, because I don't think that it's incumbent upon the consumer to know every detail, but also at what point do you go, well, hey, this is undeniable. <laughs> the, the information has been thrust upon me. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm never going to shame anybody or judge anybody for just yeah. wanting to have some entertainment in their lives. Uh, you know, have a little escape and say, hey, I want to, that game looks fun. I want to play it. And the other thing is, as we always note with these kinds of things, is there are hundreds of people involved in all these things. You know, and uh, we're, we're staring down the barrel right now of, you know, I'm sitting here going 
do I cover the Harry Potter game? There's a lot of people who aren't going to, right? And I'm like, there's hundreds of people involved in the making of that product that all probably are well-intentioned, lovely people, or at least the majority of them, right? I, I don't know yeah. what to do. The game looks really exciting and it really fun and really interesting, right? And yet it comes with it, all this baggage. And for a lot of folks, the mere act of playing it or and or talking about it is an act of aggression against a certain group of people or a, or a tacit support of a position that I don't support, right? So I don't want to communicate that. I don't want to make that a, a tacit message I'm sending. So it's very difficult, right? It's very, we, we live in, in, in <laughs> treacherous times, well, you know, that, just I, trying I, to have fun. I say it all the time. It's Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys. I'll paraphrase his quote of, I'd rather be a hypocrite today than the same person I was 20 years ago. Like, allow yourself room for growth to have yeah. had a view before and allow it to change. And as you kind of mentioned, Jeff, where my line is, it's, it is like, yeah, when something is undeniable to me, then I will make that personal choice to cover or not cover or play or not play games in that way but i also will not be leading the charge and maybe this is a, a view that i will be a hypocrite on later but i also not be leading the charge yelling at other people not to you know to, to do what i'm doing to follow suit with with my choices um but i do think it's important to talk about um, yes kind of why i'm perhaps not talking about those games and, and doing this talk about without, why you're not talking <laughs> we can we can talk or not talk or not for talk hours, Jeff. For hours, we both yeah. like soup. Um, <laughs> like it, it is it is tricky, and for better or worse, as we talked about on last week's episode, at the end of the day, uh, most of these companies are very large companies, and while they are made up of hundreds of good people, there are often bad people at the tops yeah. of all of them. It's like <laughs> real bad, a couple of them. You know, that's fun. Um, it's always fun. It's always fun. We have fun here. Yeah. Um, video games. Am I right? You video know I mean? games. Uh, <clears throat> lots of great stories still available to pick. I, I mean, my story of the week, honestly, is that there's going to be a new SteamWorld game. But I don't know if, how great of a conversation that's going to, you know, engender for us. But I'm super excited about SteamWorld build. It, it, it was a sort of a stealth drop in the, in the sense that we got a demo right away, which is awesome. Uh, and I love Thunderful. I love the SteamWorld games. I've been playing the SteamWorld build. Maybe I'll have time in the playlist to talk about it. Although we got a jam-packed playlist too. But what I want to bring up as story of the week, honestly, uh, is, a game, is a story that I, I mean, again, there's a bunch of other stories we could talk about. But I, I'm very curious to talk about uh, this quote. And Neil Druckmann has been uh, doing the rounds, talking about, obviously, the Last of Us television series, which he is heavily shows involved a hit. in. Did you know that? That show's a hit. People like to hit it. season two already already approved. Uh, uh, episode, episode three oof. might be one of my favorite episodes of a show ever. Uh, Beautiful, it is exquisite, exquisite. I highly recommend. Uh, if you are uncertain about whether you want to watch this show, I would say it, the, the advice that Dave Chen gave me, which is at least watch until episode three, uh, which I have done, and episode three is truly sublime. It is. An Dave was just saying that because he was dropping our our uh, decoding TV episode about it. He wanted you to be a subscriber, Jeff. That's why. Yeah, he he's, like, he's like, just watch, watch until you become a patron. That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he'll keep waiting. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, Neil Druckmann, Druckmann uh, 
uh, had uh, was asked about in one of these uh, you know media events when he was being interviewed. He was asked about the Uncharted series, which of course Uncharted Four, uh, no spoilers, but you know has an ending, right? Has a has a um, a place uh, where it leaves uh, the main character of Nathan dead. Drake. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Brutally murdered against rocks as he falls to his grave, missing a jump. That's um, how the game ends. He goes yeah. for a jump, misses. That's credits. just where Christian stopped playing. <laughs> Again, you know I said this reload the beginning. Save. You can keep going. I don't have the skills of some people on this podcast. Jeff. <laughs> it was a golf have. club. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be the uh, Naughty Dog Extended Universe. It all overlaps. Um, anyway, he was asked about <laughs> Uncharted series and he said, uh, quote, Uncharted was insanely successful. Uncharted 4 was one of our best selling games and we're, we were able to put our final brushstroke on that story and say that we're done. We're moving on, end quote. Now, this is something they said at the time as well. And to me, uh, this has all the hallmarks of, you know, Michael Jordan retiring or uh, – Whatever you, whatever other analogy you want to make of something that only lasts for a short period of time, uh, Tom Brady retiring. Let's let's put that. Let's say that it had all the hallmarks of, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely done until we're not, and that may still be true. Uh, however, the fact that this is still the line is interesting, and of course, the other part of this story that must be uh, must be said is that this may just mean that. Naughty Dog is done with the Uncharted series because we had word for a while that Bend, uh, Sony Bend, was working on an un Uncharted game, which evidently they have stopped working on. So that's not happening. But at one point... They uh, read the this article and they were like, ah, everybody stop. <laughs> Apparently we're done. <laughs> Druckmann said we're moving on. <laughs> uh, Shut it down. <laughs> So, uh, you know, <laughs> just because Naughty Dog might be done with the Uncharted franchise doesn't mean the franchise is done per, per se. But I think this is fascinating. Uh, GBG, I don't know how much you love the Uncharted games or not, but I'm curious what your take on um, a company actually walking away from a franchise that has endured, that has really not had a misstep. Uh, do you think that is impressive or do you think that is a uh, a bummer that we're not, you know, we wouldn't get more... Uh, Naughty Dog Uncharted games. Right. For me, I think that would be a bummer just because I would miss something to look forward to. For example, my favorite game of all time will always be God of War. And for me to never see God of War again, perhaps I just don't know how to move on with life because that's <laughs> literally how I fell in love with gaming as a whole. Wow. So for a franchise like Naughty Dog, not, not Naughty Dog, Uncharted, a lot of people hold that franchise dear to their hearts. And I know a few uh, of my friends that are like, I cannot believe that's it for, for Uncharted. And um, I know that'll be a bummer. And I, I hope more people feel like this because we need to motivate new creators, new devs to come around and say, okay, well, we'll take this franchise on. Let us do it. Like you said, Ben Studios might be able to um, perhaps do a, an Uncharted series. But I do not know whether Sony would be happy to do so. So, do you think that's something you would want to see? Is is, is some yeah. other studio take on what? What 100%. about somebody somebody other than Sony Santa Monica doing a, a God of War game? God of War. Can we trust them? 
<laughs> what, is that, what is their backlog like? We need to uh, <laughs> right. we need to see their reputation. Insomniac Studios, give God a word to Insomniac Studios, and I'll I'll go to sleep like this <laughs> with okay. a smile on my face. I love it. They have to have a good backlog for them to take on such a big IP. You know, what if they've uh, only ever made Parappa the Rapper and Yama? <laughs> that's Yama. a no go. <laughs> We can't trust them. Trey, toast, betray us. We're gonna have a battle. Boy, boy, boy! You gotta hit that A button every time he says "boy" on the beat. (laughs) Oh man, no, no way. Uh, Christian, I know you are a a huge Naughty Dog fan, huge Uncharted fan. Uh, Does this feel like a loss to you, or do you have some sort of some respect for the uh, courage of the convictions in this case of saying, "Hey"? You know, we we told the story we want to tell. We have other stories in other universes to tell. Yeah, a, a little column A, column B. Uh, when I read this, these interviews, it it did read a little bit to me of, uh, you know, we are done, but Sony might not be done. Um, yeah. You know, other folks might take this, but we we are done. Yeah, it's a very valuable IP to Sony. Um, and I imagine that we will see something else from the franchise at some point, but, you know, I always want people to tell the story that they're passionate about and interested in telling and making those games that, uh, excite them and and get them motivated. I think God of War is a great example. You know, God of War kind of ran its course after Ascension, uh, Ascension. And then it was like, oh, we're getting a, they're rebooting God of War. I don't know. They kind of told Kratos' whole story. That feels like it's been, and then it was, it's not even the same style of game behind the, I don't, and then of course it comes out and everybody's like, this is incredible. I'm so glad this franchise came back. On the other end of the spectrum, there are certainly um, Battlefield franchises that just kind of keep coming out and seeming mm. to get progressively less interesting when Worst. they launch. Yeah. yeah even though people love the franchise and they're like, maybe this will be the return to insert, you know, favorite SNL cast, (laughs) you know, favorite battlefield (laughs) um, campaign or or multiplayer season for you. Um, And so I think if there's a team that is excited about this and has a great story to tell with Nate or some other character from the universe, I think lost legacy uh, uncharted lost legacy, such a special game. And I think there's a lot of room for more story in that universe. um, Even at the end of four, and what um, a character finds around the house and stuff like that and what that could mean about legacy and and relationships and stuff I think could be interesting. But also I would love, you know, Naughty Dog to make something new because I love The Last of Us and that didn't exist prior to them making the first one, right? And so if they have another story and another IP they want to tell, you know, I'll show up for it for sure. Yeah, it it reminds me of like, you know, it's like Bon Jovi going, uh, we're not... I don't want to pl- play Living on a Prayer. We have a new album, a new album with new songs. That's what we're going to play live. And people are like, play, play Living on a Prayer! Play Living on a Prayer! No, no, we have this new album. With, it's a different kind of album. It's a little different. We, we're exp- exploring new things. And then like two years later, it's like, hey, everybody, we're going on tour. We're opening with Living on a Prayer. Hey, everybody, I own an arena football team. Arena <laughs> football do you remember living on a prayer about- we're gonna play that <laughs> until your ears bleed oh my gosh so i you know again i will i i actually really uh admire the the conviction of an artist that says this is this is the thing that brought me here 
This is the thing that put me on the map. This is the thing that made you fall in love with me. And I'm willing to set that aside and try new things. I think that's very courageous and bold and not easy. Not easy to do because you know, you just put the name Uncharted on something, it will sell a billion D copies. It's easy. It's easy to keep making this the, the thing oh, hold that on. people love. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> right. 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 This podcast is now called Uncharted Assassin's Creed, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> I wish. The I content wish. doesn't change, the name has. <laughs> I, I all of all I'm saying is I think it's very it's not an easy thing to do, and it takes a lot of um it takes a lot of willpower to, to do that, to, to be able to say no. And you know, also takes having other franchises that have been very successful, right? But I also am not sure I 100% believe this forever and ever. Amen. You know what I mean? I think it, it, there, it, if this is true until it's not true, until it's like, well, oh my gosh, we had a great idea for an Uncharted game. We're making that in 20, you know, 30, whatever. I will say they have stuck to their guns. They have not made another Crash Team Racing. So, you know, you never... Didn't they actually make... Wasn't there another Crash they Team didn't, Racing? They didn't. They, they didn't make, make it. it. So, yeah, yeah, they didn't make it. So, you know. That's right. <laughs> when uh, Naughty Dog uh, moves on, they move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let us uh, let's transition now and talk about. Oh, there's some good games to talk about. We got to talk about the games that we've been playing on a segment we call the playlist. Game breaker God is here, breaking games, ascending to godhood. <laughs> Uh, GBG, I am so excited to talk to you about Forspoken because yeah. this game has been such a weird lightning rod online. I have not played it uh, at all, uh, but I am excited to talk to someone who has played it, who has put in the hours because so many people have such uh, strong opinions about it. Where do you fall having played a bunch of Forspoken? Okay, so this is my relationship with Forspoken. I was looking forward to this game ever since I found out one of my favorite devs in Sony Santa Monica Studios, actually, Anthony Demento, was working on this project. Uh, back then, it was Project Act- Project Actia, and I was like, okay, well, I need to support this guy because he was the one who, who introduced me to Sony Santa Monica. That's a little backstory for you. F- moving on to Forspoken now, the game releases, the graphical fidelity, non-existent. It's nothing like it was showcased in the trailer. It was, okay, bearable. It wasn't like the best looking AAA game, but it was definitely up there for me, at least. It's my opinion. Um, it was definitely out there with other AAA games. For example, I really just love the exploration in Forspoken. It's the most fluid game I've played, period, on PlayStation 5. It, you will not find a more fluid game when it comes to movement and combat than Forspoken. I've put in the hours studying the mechanics of the game that I don't even think the devs know what they've done with this combat system themselves. The ability to shift from side to side whilst like doing maneuvers like Max Payne. I don't know if you guys played that game before. Sure, yeah. Where if you like dodge to the side and then like hold up a aim button, you would slow down the, the camera. This idea came into me in Forspoken because you have this ability when you run to the right side only whilst you have phrase magic uh, and you press the shoot button whilst you're running. You do like the animation like Max Payne. She jumps to the side and dives and shoots. And little intricate animations like that. I was like, I never saw this in this trailer. What, what, why am I seeing this? People seem to just ignore all the good things about this game. For example, where is the loading screens in Forspoken? It is non-existent. Unless you uh, fast travel, you do not get loading screens throughout the entire 
entire game. Literally. Like, it is non-existent. It's an amazing game. It's just that people uh, are focusing on only on the bad things. Like, the dialogue may not be the best that we've seen in the AAA game. Okay. We, we've seen Naughty Dog's production. We've seen God of War. We know. Okay. It's okay. It's not the best dialogue, but it's bearable. It's okay. It's a new IP. It's fresh. Give it a chance. Give it a shot. Don't just go by what the reviewers say. I always buy my own games. They sent me the, the review copy for the game uh, because we went to London and then we, we, we got to play for Spoken for a bit. And I was like, this is my kind of game. I'm not showcasing your game to my subscribers because I'm trying to support you for you inviting me here. No, I'm going to be super transparent with you guys. If I do not like your game, I'll be transparent and I'll say your game is trash. That's just how it is with me and my personality. You probably wouldn't want me here if your game is trash, but I love the game. It was good. It was dope. It was fresh. It was new. I loved it. And my friends are like, why are you wasting your time with this game? My own friends. And I was like, I'm not wasting my time. I'm enjoying myself. That's what matters. It's not what reviewers tell you to do. It's not what I tell you to do. Even if you are a good friend of mine, close friend of mine, family, it doesn't matter. If I tell you play for spoken, you shouldn't because it should come from you. <laughs> you shouldn't, it shouldn't be by what I say. It should come from you. If you, if you see what you like, for example, I dropped a video for Forspoken. Do you like what you see? Does it make you say, oh my God, I want to try this out for myself. If it doesn't, then it's, the game is not for you. That is literally it. Okay. Do not go by what these so-called reviewers that spend like maybe 10 hours, not even 10 hours, less than that, five hours. I'm being super generous here. Two hours because <laughs> they're going to set the game mode on easy, rush through the game, look at all the bad dialogues that the game have, pick those specific dialogues, insert it on the video, edit it. Six out of 10. That's, that's a review done. Come on. Come on, guys. We're like 22nd century now. We can, can do better than that. 23rd century. Yeah. Well, uh, so, um, you know, the game might not be for you, but it is for Spoken. It is. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Having watched, you know, a lot of your videos on uh, your Twitter account, and then also you had one more recently come out on your YouTube account of like your combo yeah. practice and stuff like that. And I played the demo of this game and it just, I, I'm not saying I would have played it had I got a review code. I did not. Um, it was kind of a limited review rollout for this game. Um, and it just came out when so many other games were coming out that my, I didn't have the Literally. time for it at, at launch. Um, but in playing the demo and then reading about it and watching some of your videos, I'm curious your thoughts on how the combat unlocks over time. Cause it does seem like, like watching some of your end game combos and stuff like that. It seems like there is such a rich, deep, combat Combat system but i Mm. does it i'm curious if it waits too long to maybe give that to you because even in the demo which i think is four to five hours into the game from what i understand you still only have like two magic paths available to you and you know i'm curious how the combat progresses as you get further into the game and if maybe people would grok it more if it didn't hold as much back until um later in the game Okay, so the problem with Forspoken as well is that it doesn't teach you much. That is literally the problem with Forspoken. It does not hold your hand and show you all the possibilities that the game has to offer. For example, your skill tree that you have in the beginning of the game, you can do so much with that. Mm. The only thing that you're literally missing is your own 
open mind. Like, oh, thanks a lot. The, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling them that just have for to years, explore. GDG. You honestly <laughs> have to explore with the combat mechanics in Forspoken. You cannot just go, let me just shoot things, spam every single ability I have in my weapon wheel or magic wheel, and then be done with it and just stay from afar and keep shooting. You literally have to change uh, your, your way of shooting style. For example, like I said, in my combat tutorial, if you ever were interested in just watching those 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes, promise you, you're going to be like, what? Um, it allows you to do so many different things. The animation changes just by running to the left and right. It's completely different. And you can cancel a lot. It's, I could I love, sit here and yes. speak about it for hours, but unfortunately, I know this podcast. No, I love it. I, this time. is the kind of depth that I that I, I wanted to have you on to talk about because uh, I don't even know how you arrive at that right are you, are you just are you just getting a game do you get to get get into a game like forespoken and just play around until you uh, find those those you know i don't i don't even know how to let me tell you it, another story right because this is how i literally uh end up becoming game breaking god on youtube uh, god of war 2018 was being review bombed saying the combat system was garbage until i came in so I was like, ain't no way this is garbage, okay? I'm not taking the light here for Forspoken. I'm coming back. Um, I looked at the combat mechanics and I was like, people just don't know how to play. That's all it is. They they haven't invested the amount of time. They probably can't. I'm a no-lifer, okay? I, I know that. I, I have work, though. I do go to work. I go to gym. I have a daughter that I look after, but I still play games a lot. I somehow just, I sleep. I don't sleep until I get to the point where I need to be in life. Anyway. God of War 2018 was literally being review bombed by everyone I was watching on YouTube. And then they came across one of my videos, which even Corey Barlog actually commented on saying, wow, I'm in awe. This is so, so good. Uh, 6,000 hours later, they saw that video and they were like, holy. And I was like, oh my God, I've made it. I've made it. The man <laughs> himself has seen the video. I've made it. With Forspoken, it's literally just like that. You have to literally sit there and see what, each ability does when you press certain buttons. For example, just as I said, take this into account. Running and holding to the left side and shooting will do a different animation to running and run uh, to the right side and shooting. Try that. Backwards will also do a different animation. Forward will do different animation. And when you switch magic, um, when you're shooting with different types of magic, after you switch it immediately cancels out the animation for certain shots of the magic, uh, allowing you to go into another move completely. And if you mix these, bearing in mind with the knowledge of combat system that I have with God of War, Devil May Cry, High Rush now, I can say High Fire Rush as well, um, it becomes something just like mind-blowing because the creativity the creativity is all here. It's it's limited to you. How, how much you want to explore, how intrigued are you by the combat system? If you don't like the combat system, then I totally understand the game might not be for you. So you're, you, the, the key to you is, is seeing how the animation cycles and being able yes. to cut off an animation and go animation into something short. else that gives you more options to be like, okay, I don't have to wait for the game to finish its animation. I can hop between things and that allows me to switch things up much more rapidly and give me a wide vari- wider variety of, of, of animations. Options, yeah, okay. Yes, that makes sense. So, yes. so that that is very makes me very curious about a, a game like Hi-Fi Rush, which 
forces you to wait in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You're, you're waiting for the beat. You're for not the beat. Yeah, you have does to. It, does it feel more limiting to you than something like God of War no, or Spoken? I actually found a way to cancel that as well. Just within the beat, just before the beat comes, if you jump and then press an attack on the beat, you're able to jump cancel and then hit the the next beat. Uh, I don't know how to put this, but you have da da da. If you do da, jump da, then you can do that animation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Like syncopated. So like, there's yeah. a song. Let's say, mm, mm, if you do mm, jump, mm, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Then you can land that attack. Then that's the animation cut right there. You can get a a, a, a quicker animation attack for that. Is this is something DMC offers with like the jump, enemy mm-hmm. jump. Um, you you have this in Hi-Fi Rush. It's the same developer actually who did Hi-Fi Rush, right? Uh, Tango. Um, they they did uh, Evil Within and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. D- yeah. Do, do you? This it feels like I've never played video games. Talking to you, I feel like oh, I guess I've just <laughs> never played them before. Just... Um, you, is this just experimentation that gets you there? Or... Yeah, lit- yeah, literally. I love experiment. I love dissecting combat mechanics of video games except horror games i just can't do it i i, I can't i can't well, yeah, i can't can, do with running away i want to i want to fight back i can't interrupt any animation you want but that demon is still standing in front of you you know what i'm saying still taking you out <laughs> yeah animation well, is a gbg turning off the game and walking away it's horrible horrible uh, feeling i find that fascinating because christian i don't i just Maybe you're different than I am, but I feel like I just don't approach <laughs> games in that way. I, I'm kind of looking for the, um, you know, the the quickest, the shortest distance between p- two points. You know, I'm like, I'm doing what the game's asking of me. I'm using the systems the way they want. I'm not trying to break them like a god, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with me. I, someone yeah, asks if I you're mean, a god, uh, you say yes. Anyway. <laughs> you are doing what you're meant to do sorry yeah sorry Sorry, i'm mortal i get it yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah uh when we what is it like uh when mortals are sad they look to us for guidance but what do we do what do we do right um i i always like when a game and i think to kind of stick on hi-fi rush here for a little bit i always like when a game introduces its mechanics to you in a way that i think sets the player up for success but also cracks a window to say there's more like it tells you like this is all you need to do play to the beat do the this uh hit the half beat for the this and then that and then this and then it kind of tells you like you know but if you want look left, you know, and and it kind of opens up the system and tells dum-dums like me that, hey, you should experiment. And and I think going back to Redfall and Arcane games, I think they do that with level design and not necessarily with combat. They'll be like, you need to get to this building, you need to get to the top floor of this building, by the way, here's a staircase. And then you walk into that kind of environment set and you see a window that's open and you're like, that's open for a reason. And now I'm going to play to find how to get there. And I think uh, games that I really enjoyed um, toying with the combat some, and I think that delivered that to be a shill pilot on is last of us part two. And then the combat that they brought back to part one, when they re-released that on PlayStation five with those more fluid animations and what you were able to do in terms of running vaulting and getting out a melee thing. And the game kind of sets you up for that. And I, I'm not saying that I experimented anywhere near the level of uh, 
anything that GBG does or or will do. But I find games like that rewarding. And DMC, the much maligned, you know, Devil May Cry franchise uh, reboot that came out, and we we never got another one of it. But I think that version of Devil May Cry also did a really good job of saying, "Here's the what we expect from you." But also, have you tried never touching the ground? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting though. I mean, yeah. I, I I loved hearing what GBG said about, uh, you know, doing the game, being able to do things that even the developers maybe didn't realize. No, like, and. Mm. It reminds me of the thrill that I get of watching the speedrunning community, for example, where you see people that put in the time and discover things about a game. You know, I remember there was a, some videos going around. I think the one I watched was um, for the the, late, the most recent Doom game where it was a speedrunner doing Doom and the developers doing audio commentary watching the speedrunner. And the developers oh, like, cool. I didn't realize that you could do that. <laughs> you know, like, oh, is that a bug? Or is he, is he, what is he doing right there? Oh my, you know, that kind of <laughs> realization of the people who created this thing that someone else found ways to work the systems that they never anticipated yeah. That's incredibly exciting to watch. You know, I think that's that's kind of what you're talking about, right, GBG? Yeah, it's literally. I just want people to watch and be like, how is he doing that? Or <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah. And developers. Actually, Luminous Production liked my video today. And I woke up to this message like the, on Twitter. And I was like, oh, my God, they've seen a video. Yes, that's it. Mission done. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on. Drop more first welcome videos. So, so wait, when so they see it, I just would love to see their reaction. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I, it's thrilling for them. I, I um, going back to Forspoken. Um, I, does it, it sounds to me like a game that plays in that in, in that place of of having mechanics that you can exploit, that you can use and and find new super. That's that's the thing. Depth. But it, the other side of it, though, it does sound like you kind of agree with some of the criticisms that we've seen 100%. about the storytelling. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. The story is far too short. Let's not be uh, – I love Forspoken, but the story is too short. And I say this because I've played the game, okay? I've played the game. I've had my time with it, and I was done in the blink of an eye. I was like, okay, is that it? Mm. Holy. <laughs> there was nothing else. And then the only thing, though, I do want to add is that after you finish the story, the amount of content you have is – just mind-blowing. I'm mm. almost 200 hours now. Wow. And I'm still going. Wow. <laughs> I'm still going. There's just a lot, a lot of stuff. And it doesn't do New Game Plus. You just complete the story, and then it gives you the freedom to do all the other stuff, like the side quest. The map in this game is just huge. And this is where Forspoken comes in, and it gets better. The movement that you have, the options, after you unlock all the abilities from the so-called short story, is chef's kiss because now you have all the abilities you don't have to worry about going to this final boss after you do all the side quests no you you're done with that now you can focus on getting everything else in the map like your abilities your end game stuff your builds that you're going to want to do now and when you're exploring something terrific happens it becomes a nightmare literally nightmares come after you and there's this thing called bandersnatch spoiler alert it will kill you it is huge and if you're underpowered you will die you cannot face it it's awful thing uh i literally got caught by it on snatch i mean on uh stream and my friend was like what in the uh what is that game strange wait what what's that game called by hideo kojima oh death stranding 
Death Stranding. What in the Death Stranding is this boss? I, was, I laughed so hard. I was like, oh my goodness. It actually looks like one of those things. It was disgustingly powerful. I got packed up and wrapped up. And uh, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. First Spoken is fun. Amazing. I, uh, I would recommend it only if, if you've seen gameplay for it. And uh, not like be open-minded. Just... Just all I ask of you: be open-minded. That's it. That's how, how I'll leave it. That sounds great. That sounds great. I love I love yeah. hearing you talk about it because it's uh it's such a cool yeah. way to uh, approach that stuff. Um, Christian, what is on your playlist? Well, talk a little more Hi-Fi Rush as I kind of chatted about it a little bit as we were talking combat. That was a game that I immediately jumped into um, after the direct. And I, I know Jeff. I think our playlist shares a. Uh, a couple of games in common, Hi-Fi Rush being one of them. And Hi-Fi Rush, to me, feels like the Sega game that never was. You know, like the the imagined uh, connection of, like, Jet Set Radio, and then we get to Sunset Overdrive, which I know is not Sega anymore. And then from there, we get Knockout City, mm, uh, which is yeah. the EA the oh, dodgeball yeah, game and then now we're getting hi-fi rush and it feels like this spiritual connection of a vibe of a style of game that's tapping into a frenetic cartoony um you know punk rock but self-aware punk rock like wink at the camera um energy in a way and what hi-fi rush then brings to the tables we talked about is this this third person action game that is all tied to the beat and what i find so beautiful about hi-fi rush is the way everything in the game is doing its best to communicate that beat to you and you can go into options and make it even more so but like the steam and the levels and uh your character in the idle animation tapping his foot or snapping his fingers or in the walk cycle everything that comes in supports what this game is trying to do and it is so clean in its visual presentation of this cell shaded you know cartoony style look where i mean i think it's easily on best looking games of all time list not like photorealism oh my gosh this is you know god of war ragnarok or injustice (laughs) to people in makeup but just in terms of delivering the art direction that they set out to to deliver my I haven't finished the game yet. I would guess I'm three-fourths of the way through based on time uh, with the game so far and kind of at, that story unfolds. Um, my my two nits with it so far are, one, I find the bosses to be my least favorite part, and maybe it's because the way I'm in, uh, encountering the game is that it seems to limit my creativity often, where I feel like a lot of the bosses I'm spending most of my time dodging and parrying and waiting for that two-second window when I can then do something. Um, but as Metroid uh, Dread showed me uh, a couple of years ago, oftentimes I miss things in boss battles. <laughs> and I'm beating my head waiting for that one second. And then I'll watch somebody's video and be like, oh, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, so that might be the case with Hi-Fi Rush as well. And then while I appreciate the energy the game is putting out, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I, I find the protagonist just just barely on the other side of annoying. Like there are moments where I want him just to stop (laughs) and maybe I'm supposed to feel that way, but it's like this, Mm. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm the best at it anyway. And the game's telling you that he's wrong in that. 
but I still find it like, again, just on the other side of the fence of annoying. Like there are, there are a couple of moments, you know, maybe a quarter or a third through the game where I'm like, no, you're dead. You, you should be dead. You suck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you suck <right> now. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love the, uh, the fiction of the world, the, the world building it does the look and feel of everything. I mean, it very much is a game that could have just ridden along on its novelty of the, the rhythm side of it and didn't need to, they didn't need to invest so much energy in making a really interesting world, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the storytelling is actually kind of fun. I, I mean, it's a very Saturday morning cartoon and, and, and goofy, but I dug it. I dug that about it. I thought that that's, it's a layer that they did better than they needed to do, you know? And I, I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed uh, how the robots talk to each other, the little yeah. goofy interactions that they have. I love. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Christian. What you were saying? I was something? Say, or just like the point? It's like pointless, meaningless, you right. know, interactions that you can have. It doesn't tell you a secret. It doesn't tell you right. anything, but it just supports the world that they've established, which is which, awesome. Which yeah. is my point about about it being sort sort of more effort than they needed to put into that. You know, it just adds a lot of wonderful texture to what is already a very fun mechanically sound game. And I have, I couldn't get into metal Hellsinger. I found the rhythm stuff to be really distracting in that game. And I think all the stuff you're talking about with regard to the, the environment itself playing along with you in a lot of ways that the whole world is just bopping along, you know, like lids of things are hopping up and down and boxes are, you know, the whole world is, is snapping its fingers with you. I think that goes a long way into just sort of letting the rhythm be in your body as you're playing and not having to think about it. And I think that's, that's fun. And then, you, and then, you know, as GBG was talking about all those things of, you know, how the heavy attack, I love the idea of a heavy attack literally takes more time than a fast attack and a light. It's yeah. Such a cool thing, like an actual real human time, not just in video game time. It actually takes, you to wait a second to press the button in order to hit the, that's brilliant. And I want somebody to go farther with that. I don't even think that needs to be a rhythm game mechanic. That can just be, you know, somebody can investigate that further and make that. I mean, I guess that's always kind of how it is, but I think there's a way to accentuate that even more that this game is hinting at. Anyway, real quick here. What I love about it too, though, it, it, in your score and later, if you're, you know, depending on how you're playing, you know, if your rank is a certain level, there is a a punishment for it if you fall below right. a certain rank. But um, in general, the game doesn't punish you for pushing the button early per se. Like there are some rhythm games where even like Parappa or yeah. Rock Band, right? Very different. But if you miss the beat, it's like yeah. eh, eh, eh. here you can you can go in there and just mash a button and your character will wait to do the swing on the beat. But it's not yelling at you you know, wrong, wrong, wrong. Your character doesn't just sit there and idle because you missed the beat. It allows you to find it. And I think that's a way that the developers support onboarding in a really smart way for how this game expects you to play and being um, open and not, you know, closing doors in your face. Yeah, especially in that that elite beat agent style, you know, concentric circle closing (laughs) thing that we see in a lot of games. I've never seen them allow you to just keep pressing the beat normally you know, usually when that's happening, if you do it early or late, that's the problem. That's the, eh. and uh, I like that. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm on the beat. I'm pushing my button. It'll, if I'm still on the beat, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. I'll be given the perfect. Um, so a lot of fun, really cool, just a total surprise. And I think that's part of the joy of people finding this game as GBG was talking about the joy of it, just 
being this surprise. I didn't know anything about it. And oh my gosh, it's super fun. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that it's getting even more attention because of that release plan and strategy. Uh, all right, Christian, what else have you been playing? Um, speaking of horror games, uh, Dead Space Remake has come out. Um, I am probably halfway through this game, uh, again, based on number of chapters and, and, and time with the game uh, right now. In my head, I was going to be done with it. We were recording this episode slightly later than than we usually record. Um, and I was like, oh, this will give me enough time to get through this game. Um, I find that I can only play this game for about 45 minutes before I need to put the controller down, you know, walk away, uh, tell my kids <laughs> I love them, uh, <laughs> or just peek in at them if I'm playing at night and be like, oh, sleep well, little angel. <laughs> All right, daddy's got more monsters to kill. And then I sneak back in. Uh, over just checking to see if your kids have have all their limbs still. Yeah. Just to make sure they haven't reawakened. uh, Oh my God. I love, love, love this game. I absolutely love it. And it's funny because it answers a question, Jeff, that you and I ask a lot on this show. I think maybe rhetorically, if if not more directly, like who are these remakes for shadow of the Colossus remake? That gets an all time classic. What do you need to remake the last of us? Part one, it's only a 10-year-old game. Who hasn't played? What are they remaking that for? Um, me is the answer. This game is made for me. I played the original. I don't know if I ever beat it. I don't remember. 2008, I don't know. Uh, I played the iPad version, at least for a, a couple of hours. I remember that. I think I game flied. I think I game flied this game back in the day. Um, but I have no discrete memory of moments other than like a few of the zero G moments and how that game, the OG dead space did it back in the day. And of course, severing the limbs and like some of the on wall messaging, um, man, it, this remake or this game, I guess is so deliberate in what it's serving up in terms of delivering a tense atmospheric experience that is constantly oppressive in the best way. You know, there's the Mm. atmospheric fog that will come in just as a red herring until it's not, (laughs) you know, um, the creepiness of the other humans that you find uh, on the vessel and the things that they're going through that are just there to unnerve you. Like even in the down moments, I like, um, GBG mentioned I I also love horror as a you know film genre, and what this Dead Space does, and maybe the original did as well. Again, I have zero memory apparently <laughs> of of two thousand eight. Um, it, it, it the oftentimes when it lets you rest, it still finds a way to mess with you. Whether it's just kind of the voices in your head, I'm playing with headphones and um you know three D surround. And kind of that stuff going on all around you, or you turn a corner and you'll see someone just like cutting themselves, like just repeatedly, they, not a threat to you, but just disturbing in a way. Um, I, I, am, I am in love with this game. I'm playing on PC. I'm aware of, of threads on like reset error and stuff where people are reporting PC bugs. Um, I've had a great experience on, on PC. Are there are occasional micro stutters that I've had here and there? Yes. Um, I think one of the problems of PC gaming is that you expect to be able to tweak everything. So it's perfect. Whereas if you play a game on console, you're just like, this is how the game is, <laughs> you know, I get, I, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I get what I get. Um, but my PC experience, you know, whatever I am six hours in or so has been phenomenal. And I think the game is absolutely gorgeous. I texted you 
you know, very early on, it's just like, oh my gosh, this game is pretty. Yeah, um, it it's is. It's paced so well. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It, it. I am certain this will be on my list. You know, here we are the, what, last week of January and I already have two games taking up two spots of my top five. Yeah. <laughs> for the year. Wow. It's tough. It's real good. I, I, you know, we reviewed the original Dead Space on the Totally Rad show back in 2008. Uh, lauded it. I think it is uh, an incredible uh, game, that first one. And um, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of horror games, but it just it doing something so different. The idea that, oh, you know, shooting the, the bad guy in the head does nothing. You got to sever yeah, its yes. limbs to stop it and slow it down. And, and the, the, just the way that the plasma cutter works and you can, you know, change it from vertical to horizontal. I call it legs so, or arms is what yeah, I call it. Uh, it's so pleasurable. <laughs> it's such a pleasurable experience. And of course, there's other weapons later. But the, you know, the it, it's such a different way to approach that stuff and it you know it is terrifying this is one of those experiences we talk about a lot christian where i go isn't this how the game looked originally <laughs> you know it is extremely beautiful so there's part of me that's like there's no universe because it's this is amazing but uh, but then i go back and i look and you realize oh my gosh now when you sever the limbs like tendons come off and we you know viscera is flying in the, you'll have to do it a couple of times because you just get down to the the little last sinewy bits that are still hanging together and then you go <laughs> it's just the level of detail is bonkers and the game is so so cool it, it, the the storytelling is great it just looks so awesome and super ultra wide it's stunning uh yeah i mean this is a it's wild that Callisto Protocol came out and kind of landed with a thud and didn't kind of got middling reviews and people didn't really dig it. And here comes this game that almost everybody reviewing it has already played. And it's just, you know, knocking the doors off of people. It's it's a superior experience. And I think that the remake was handled very, very well. It It looks, sounds, plays great. I'm playing it on PC. Uh, and... It, it, it kind of makes me think, why did this franchise go away? I mean, I know Dead this is Dead, Dead, <laughs> Dead Space 3. That's the answer. That's why. I, yeah, 3 was not good, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of feel like this, you know, renews some momentum for uh, this this franchise that's been left, uh, you know, that, that's been abandoned and and not deservedly shut. So I think that this is a great, it's a great game. It's it, If you like horror games, it's great. Even if you just like action games, it is a little scary, but it is, uh, I think it's an excellent experience. A little scary? <laughs> it's a lot scary. <laughs> it's a it lot. looks spooky. Yeah, no, it's uh, the, it's terrifying on every level. The advice, uh, <laughs> uh, concept, conceptual spoiler, broad conceptual spoiler for the, not even a spoiler, but uh, one of my friends gave me as I was chatting about it was, uh, when an enemy jumps out in front of you, just know there's going to be one behind you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh that's good. <laughs> you yeah. see oh it in front of you. God. Guess what's behind you? Yeah. Like, oh, you got to no. uh, live head on a swivel, head on a swivel. And by head, I mean thumb on your right stick on a swivel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, I obviously played uh, Dead Space and Hi-Fi Rush as well. I want to talk about another game that I've been playing for a while. I got an early code for it. This is a, an independent uh, game. Um, from a developer called Game Source Studio. It's called Mahokenshi. This is a turn-based roguelite. 
almost like a board game as an experience. It's all it's it's made for me. This game's made for me. It is uh it is sort of a uh, feudal uh I believe feudal Japan setting, but fantasy. You play these uh, crazy fantasy. I don't think this is even a real land. So it but it, but it has uh, those sensibilities. You're you know samurai and um uh you know temples and and cool sort of um uh, a milieu that you don't see used uh, enough. I think it's a really, really cool uh, design. Uh, but you're playing from this top-down perspective uh, on um, on uh, hexagon spaces. The world is made up of all the all hexagons. You are one thing that's really interesting about this game is most games that do what this game does, i.e., walk from place to place, have certain encounters, upgrade your cards. Your cards are attacks. Uh, you get into combat, you move through a thing. Most of the games that do this kind of thing, this kind of roguelite, card-based combat, turn-based combat, most of them are bifurcated into two different modes of play. Mm. There's the moving through the world, oftentimes represented by, you know, uh, branching um, flowchart style map you know where you can like oh i can go over here and get a chest or i can go over here and fight a bad guy or maybe i'll choose this path and upgrade my cards and you know as you move through the map it's this flow chart right they have that and then they'll go into combat and you'll be in the combat phase the use your cards turn-based combat phase the interesting thing about maho kenshi is it doesn't separate those things they're all done on the same map on the same screen with the same action points so your movement and your attacking are using up the same pool of available moves you've got cards that work as movement you've got cards that work as attacks you're moving on this big hex based map and you have to figure out okay how do i get to the bad guy how do you know how do I maximize my turn all the while there's a ticker usually going down on the quest saying you have to do this in x number of moves and honestly that's my least favorite part of the game is the is the fact that it's almost always under a a time mm-hmm. limit you know you, you're you're racing against using up all your moves because I just want to explore the whole map i I don't want to be limited that way, but it certainly does focus you and force you to make interesting decisions because certain moves will get, will benefit you in combat there's certain ways to draw enemies closer to you without using a move it, it, it really is a dynamic interesting take on that kind of system because you're you're managing the two different usually bifurcated elements of the game at the same time you're you're going how do i move how do i get to there and also don't just arrive there having used up all my stuff because the bad guys will attack me when I get there. I have to <laughs> move there and fight and attack. And there are different classes of characters that you can open up, characters that fly, characters that, um, you know, much more tank-like. Character. It, it's, it's got a lot of variety in the, kind, in the character you're choosing. Each character can level up and use its um, – uh, and, and acquire new cards. This is a roguelike, so – when you acquire cards and finish a mission, you lose all those cards and you have to do it again. That's always a bummer. But it is really fun. I really dig this game. It is uh, so much in my wheelhouse, but doing it in a very unique way 
I found myself losing hours to this game where I'm like, I'll just go in and play one more quest. And you know, there's it, the, the leveling up the cards is very satisfying. There's a, a lot of games in this genre where you get new cards and you're just like, oh, okay, I guess that's a new card. This game, it feels like getting new cards really opens up your options. Uh, I, again, I love the milieu. I love the aesthetic of the game. It's really a pretty world. There's lots of different um, sort of biomes within the same uh, the same world. I, I highly recommend this one. It's ten uh, percent uh, off right now on Steam, uh, which ends in twenty four hours. Literally just looking at it because yeah. I used to be a big fan of turn based combat back when I was a kid. I used, I literally grew up playing Nintendo three DS. And all I played was like the the, the turn based combat stuff, uh, Final Fantasy, and all these other games. And this looks appealing. I think you dig it. It's it's pretty darn cool. It's not a game I've heard a lot of other people talk about, but um, mm, never heard about it till today. <laughs> yeah, it's Celestial Islands is where you're going. So it's like these cool like islands that float, almost a uh, Avatar, you know, Pandora like. Um, mm. But it's 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 rad. I mean, it is. Uh, it looks it doesn't look like other games it plays enough like other games that you might pick it up but also has its own very distinct uh features i i'm i'm digging digging it uh maho kenshi is what it's called m-a-h-o-k-e-n-s-h-i all right well i think that's going to do it for this episode of dlc we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those but game breaker god Thank you so much for being here, man. It's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It was a blessing. You guys are awesome. You guys are like the 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 main protagonist of the show. So I want to be like you guys when I grow up, okay? Thank you so much. <laughs> It'll be a very long time until you uh, get as old as we are. But I appreciate hey, I'm it. I'm halfway. Uh, I'm halfway. <laughs> uh, so tell the folks, GBG, where they can watch all yeah. your awesome videos and keep up with all the cool stuff you do. Um, at the moment, YouTube algorithm isn't in my favor, so just stay tuned for videos for like any game that you find and dear to your heart on my Twitter. I'll post videos for everything literally that comes out. So that'll be Harry Potter, uh, Wulong, uh, the Star Wars game that's coming out soon, anything like that. I'll be posting on my Twitter. Just sneak peek of what's gonna come on my YouTube channel. And you're a game breaker so god. Be on game breaker god on Twitter. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I'm working on the next installment of my newsletter that you can can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I'm writing about, kind of inspired by Forspoken, um, the idea of, I think, how as um, people who consume media, we are often more likely to dive in willingly to TV shows and movies that get, quote unquote, seven out of ten versus games or it's like oh as um lana would say jeff a mid um a mid game i believe <laughs> i'm using it the way the way the, That's the right way yeah see mm-hmm. i'm hip i got it mid. i got, got it. it you're young uh, you're still young <laughs> but we're more likely to engage with those um properties when they're a, a movie or a tv show i think than a, than a game um a, a game gets a seven it's like pass hard pass and i'm kind of writing about why i think that is so that'll be the newsletter that goes out i think here pretty early february folks can find that if you are watching and loving the last of us on hbo uh, as mentioned earlier david chen and i are breaking down each episode after they air over at decoding tv which you can find uh wherever you get your podcasts 
as we go through those. And if you are a paid member over at Decoding TV, Dave and I are also doing um, bonus kind of a little more spoilery about, you know, things that are different between the games and the TV show. The main show is just coming at it from a TV watcher's experience, someone who does not have experience with the games before that. And then if you want even more The Last of Us, uh, the official The Last of Us podcast is out and available wherever you get your podcasts as uh, myself and the creative teams that made those games break down uh, part one and part two. And more recently, we had a bonus episode come out where Neil Druckmann and I talked broadly about uh, the HBO show and what they're doing there. And then I believe as that season wraps, um, we will have a second bonus episode out where Neil and I talk a little more spoilery about things that happened during the season and kind of hopes, wishes, and dreams um, that were put into that show. And we can talk about episodes more specifically than we did um, in that first episode. And you can also find that wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. Fantastic. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled two N's and one T. I've got other podcasts for you to check out as well, if you're so inclined, including the Filmcast, which is our movie and TV show review podcast. Uh, we've got the uh, the We Have Concerns, which is my science comedy show with Anthony Carboni, and uh, the the Fan Controlled Show, which is a sports show about the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Network. Uh, check those out. You can find them as podcasts on uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, most of them are also available on YouTube and Spotify. Yeah, yeah you know, you you find it. You find it. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Game Breaker God, do you have a suggestion that might not be a video game? Um, I'm having a second child. <laughs> you, you recommend it? Yes. I, uh... Yeah. Yes. Uh, Congratulations. That's actually a big uh, thing, you know, for gaming. If you if you're a gamer and you have a child, you can actually do like feed them milk and all that stuff and still game. It's good. It's good. It's healthy. I recommend it. I've done it. Milk milk and games. That's all you need. Milk. Yeah. Like it works. It works. (laughs) Does the body good? Congratulations Um, on your second child. When when is your child Uh, recommendation other than games? Stay fit, stay well. We are living in a time where just disease spreading everywhere. I had a horrible cough for two weeks. I don't know how I got it, but it was horrible. I couldn't stop coughing. I was streaming the other day. I was just coughing and I told them, they were like, you sound awful. I was like, it's not even my mic. It's just me. My coughing is bad. So whatever you go, do wear your masks, especially public transport and just stay healthy, guys. uh, And look after yourselves and drink a lot of water. Great suggestion. Love it. And congratulations yeah. on the child. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Christian Spicer, <laughs> what about you? What, a parting gift? I mean, it's it's less healthy, I fear, but uh, <laughs> it is Girl Scout cookie season for your local, your local scout. So mail order, if you live far away from a scout, that doesn't start until later in February, but your local scout right now, they have started selling cookies so you can support Girl Scouts, support your girl scouts, the local troops. And those folks that you might see outside the grocery store as they're boothing and trying to hit their numbers. I'm a big fan of of Girl Scouts and their mission and what they do and um, teaching these kids the skills that um, 
so much of scouting does. And I think cookie sales as well in terms of getting them out there and setting a goal and working toward it and seeing how hard it is to hit goals. <laughs> You're like, I want it. I want that. I want to earn, earn this many boxes. And it's like, okay, well, you got to play for spoken for a lot of hours. Before you get those, <laughs> those combos. So uh, just, <laughs> put in the time, but it is cookie funny. Season. It is cookie season. Very cool. Jeff, what about you? Uh, I want to recommend a television show that I discovered. It is a British show, and I believe internationally it is on Disney Plus, but here in the States it is on Hulu. It is called Extraordinary. It is a half-hour comedy, and the premise of the show, I think, is brilliant. The premise of the show is it takes place in a world where at 18, when you turn 18, you get a superpower. You don't know what it's going to be, but when you turn 18, all of a sudden you manifest a superpower that could be classic superpower like super strength or flying. It could be a weird, wacky, goofy superpower, but everybody gets a superpower except the protagonist of the show, who's a young woman (laughs) who turned 18, I think a few years ago and still doesn't have her power. She's the only person who doesn't have a power in this world. And she's frustrated and kind of looked down on and and you know she's a pariah because everybody else has a superpower and it's all about her trials and 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 you know tribulations of, about going through this world uh feeling like you know less than special very mm-hmm. funny it's very adult show uh but very funny some of the to give you an example the beginning of the show starts with her at a job interview uh trying to get a job and the woman who's giving the job interview has the superpower that you have to tell the truth. <laughs> you have to tell the truth to her. So, uh, which is the perfect job for somebody that has that superpower is to be the job interviewer. So she's like spewing all this stuff about how she doesn't really want to work there and all this stuff. Very funny, very smart. Wow. Uh, it's written by um, Emma Moran, who is a, a, a brilliant comedy writer. Uh, it's got a lot of really wonderful quirks and unexpected stuff. I love the variety of powers that happen in the show are just, there's some like real goofy superpower stuff. It's great. It's called extraordinary. It's on Hulu here in the States. And I, uh, I have been really digging it. All right. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us uh, at DLC feedback at gmail.com. This comes from Richard in Texas. Richard writes, uh, last night I was looking for a movie for my sons and I to watch. I could have easily picked the original Jumanji, it's a classic, of course, with the late Robin Williams. But instead, I chose the lesser-known, often-overlooked spiritual su- sequel, 2005's Zathura. It tells the story of two quarreling brothers who find a magic board game and sends them on an adventure in space. It's basically Jumanji in space. The story's good. Some of the costumes are incredible. And it's directed by elf, Iron Man, Mandalorian's own John Favreau. My two boys loved it. It made for great family movie night. Keep making the world a better place, Richard. Uh, thanks, Richard. Zathura. You know, Christian, I've actually never seen that movie. Same. A, uh, I like John Farva, too. I had well, there that. you go. This is why it's a perfect parting gift, because none of us have seen it. And uh, yeah, Zathura, <laughs> uh, 2005. Check it out. I'm, I'm sure it's available on something. That's it for this episode of DLC. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We love getting parting gifts. Send them in. All right. We're going to wrap things up. Thanks again to Game Breaker God and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our 
theme song composers, which is White Cube. Uh, it's uh, Jason Sherry and uh, T. Ryan Arnold for making that. Uh, you can buy swag for our show at dlcswag.com. Thanks to Jesse J. Anderson for making that. And thanks to our patrons for making this show possible in the first place. Patreon.com slash dlcpod is where you go to become one. Uh, we couldn't exist without them. Thank you very much. And our top tier patrons, our hype train patrons, they get their names read out at the end of every episode, which we're going to do right now. Time to thank the hype train patrons. Choo! What if I only did one, two? Right? There's no two. It's just one. Choo! Ooh, that's going to bug me. Taylor Wigger, choo-choo. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it with just one. Sorry. Josh Peak, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Sheru Ken, Scott Lambert, Joe DeFrank, Stephen T. Seifert, Taylor Buckwild Broad, Rob, Wonder Rob, Demunez, Kevin Eddy, Brian Jordan, Hyperboy66, Choo, A Sad Chew, Choo, David Epp, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert. Just like an aggressive chew. Chew! Chew, chew! <laughs> Chris Zacharias, Will with 1L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazel, Stu Goss, Jonathan, Spiceman Forever, Schlepplefer, Albert for Hell to Dios, the Spiceman Silencer. That's just like a cutoff. It's like, choo, 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 and just, just nipped, nipped in the bud. Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. Thank you. Thank you. Choo, choo, choo. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>